I V M. You are listening to the Signal Daily, brought to you by Front Page Studios. Posters of the 2021 film House of Gucci boasted a sensational tagline: "A legacy worth killing for." Yet, both on the silver screen and in real life, the intense family feuds of the 1980s made sure that not a single member of the Gucci family could remain a part of the company whose legacy was, in fact, worth killing for. The high fashion Italian brand is now owned and run by a French conglomerate, Kering. And now, as the visionary founders of other high-fashion Italian brands are growing older, Italy is again set to witness some thrilling episodes of Succession, this time outside their TV boxes. Giorgio Armani is 88. Stefano Gabbana and Domenico Dolce, the founders of Dolce and Gabbana, of course, have both crossed 60. Meanwhile, Muccia Prada, the head designer and CEO at the Prada Group, is 74. The answer to who will lead these iconic brands after these visionaries would decide what shape Italy's fashion industry will finally assume. For starters, a lot is at stake in Italy. Fashion is the country's second largest industry, which as per the Financial Times, employs millions of Italians directly or indirectly. In recent years, as the business newspaper pointed out, and I'm reading it, There has been a dawning awareness among Italy's political class of the benefits the fashion industry brings both to the domestic economy and the country's soft power abroad. So the Italian government is mulling over whether the fashion industry should be included in the list of strategic sectors such as tech, transport and telecommunications where it has the power to veto foreign investments. After all, too many legendary Italian brands now have foreign ownership. For example, luxury fashion house Valentino is owned by Qatar's royal family, while another luxury fashion house Fendi and jewelry brand Bulgari have been absorbed by French conglomerate LVMH. It is said that ownership slipped out of Italian hands because back in the day, the rivalry between fashion entrepreneurs was so intense that they would rather sell to the French than shaking hands with a domestic competitor. which according to investment banker Riccardo Malone helped in tremendous growth of French conglomerates Kering and LVMH to compare LVMH is valued at 422 billion euros while the combined value of at least two largest luxury groups Prada and Montclair is less than a tenth of that meanwhile what we know as of now is that Prada has announced a successor Lorenzo Bertelli the oldest son of Muccia Prada and her husband Patrizia Bertelli founders of Dolce and Gabbana who famously said and i quote once we are dead we're dead i don't want a japanese designer to start designing dolce and gabbana and now thinking of leaving the business to the dolce family giorgio armani is more concerned with his legacy his nieces and nephew will inherit the company but will be allowed to sell their stakes only to a charitable foundation created by Armani which has an undisclosed share in his fashion empire for the next few minutes you are going to know a little more than you did yesterday from the world of technology business policy and anything that leaves you with food for thought 
Hello, I'm Farheen Khan and this is the Deep Dive for 27th June 2023. Today we have a pile of issues to unpack about Baijus, the popular tech company. It seems like it's facing some serious challenges from auditors and directors resigning to employees leaving and lenders putting pressure on it. Now, let's break it down. First off, let's talk about the auditors. Baiju's financial statements for the year ended March 31, 2022 are long overdue. According to the Companies Act, these statements should have been laid before shareholders in the annual general meeting by September 30, 2022. But here's the kicker. The auditors, Deloitte, Haskins and Sells, haven't received any communication about resolving audit report modifications for the previous year or the readiness of the financial statements for the year ended March 31, 2022. So Deloitte, which was appointed the auditor until March 2025, quit and has been replaced by BDO, MSKA and Associates. The whole episode raises concerns about Baiju's financial health and government practices. And that's not it. Baijus has gotten into a legal fight with creditors to whom it owes 1.2 billion dollars. Baijus and the creditors have filed tit for tat cases in Delaware and New York. It also refused to pay when an installment fell due alleging unfair treatment by the lenders. To add to it, many NBFCs have extended credit to users of Baijus multiple platforms. If the platform itself is in trouble, its customers might not repay the loans they took for those products. The company's troubles don't stop there though. Its valuation has taken a significant hit, dropping from around 24 billion dollars to 8.4 billion dollars according to US investment firm BlackRock. This decline in valuation has far-reaching implications for venture funds, angel investors and tech investors who have poured money into Baijus. The risk of a collapse of financial instability could have a ripple effect on the entire startup ecosystem in India. And Let's not forget about the employees. Baijus has seen its fair share of job cuts. The company fired 5% of its workforce in October 2022 and had cut hundreds of jobs in June of that year due to the pandemic and a global funding winter. These layoffs were aimed at cutting costs and achieving profitability, and now employees are leaving by themselves before an anticipated layoff in today's situation. Now, let's dig into the behind the scenes drama. It seems that Baijus clash with the lenders and the delay in filing financials have taken a toll on the relationship between the company and its board members. Three directors, including representatives of Peak XV Partners, Chan Zuckerberg Initiative and Process, have reportedly resigned from the board. There have been simmering tensions over how the company is being run, and the directors may have wanted to avoid potential conflict and reputational damage associated with the ongoing issues at Baijus. These resignations further compound the challenges faced by the company and raise questions about its leadership and decision-making processes. Despite the turmoil, Baijus is not completely without hope. The company still possesses valuable assets such as its extensive user base and brand recognition. Baijus has successfully established itself as a leading edtech platform in India and has expanded its reach to international markets. The company has also made multiple strategic acquisitions to diversify its offerings and strengthen its position in the market. 
However, the road to recovery for Baijus will be nowhere easy. Maybe is it time to say Baijus? If you like listening to the Signal Daily, please show us some support. Rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. We'd love to hear what you have to say about this podcast. So feel free to shoot an email at hello at thesignal.co. The Signal Daily is produced in association with IVM. The episode was written and researched by Anup and Charmika, edited by Dinesh Narayanan, produced by Manasrini, mastered and mixed by Manas and Nirvan. You can catch this podcast every morning on Spotify, Apple, Amazon Prime Music, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. We are thesignal.co on Instagram, LinkedIn, and Twitter.